progress in the kingdom is an important thing. You and I are never given the privilege of sitting still or moving backwards. In the kingdom, it is expected and anticipated that you should progress and move forward. That's why the Bible says that Lot's wife wasn't fit for the kingdom. Any man or woman who puts their hand to the plow and looks back isn't fit for the kingdom. Why? Because the kingdom is not made to retreat or move back. The kingdom is made for you to move forward. Plows don't work as you pull them back. Plows are meant to make progress. So today, I want us to consider this whole thing on triggers and traps and breaking the spirit of offense. I want us to consider it through the lens of people who are supposed to be moving forward. And I want us to treat these attacks of the enemy as Weapons that cause us from making progress. How many are ready to move forward? How many want to move forward? How many want to be at a different place this same time next year? Okay, I want you to look at Matthew chapter 5. Uh, let's look at verse 21. Matthew 5, 21, and I'm going to preach today moving forward recovering from a rift. How many know relationships can experience a rift? Marriages, friendships, church relationships. Relationships can experience a rift. A rift is like a crack. It's like a wedge, a separation. But I want you to know today God wants us to recover from relationship rifts and move forward. I want to launch from where we talked about last week um, and I'm going to use some of the same text because I could really probably preach that same text three or four or five weeks and still not do it justice because there's so much in it. And I crammed a lot in last week. I'm going to try to be more focused today. I want you to look at verse 21. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. Next verse. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says you fool shall be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something, everyone say something, something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First, say first, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. First be reconciled. I want to talk about recovering from a rift and we're going to preach and teach this for the next few moments, believing that this will cause our body to move forward and those in it to grow and become and mature in the things of God. How many are ready to mature in the things of God? Father, I thank you for this time together. I thank you for the word that you put in my spirit and in my belly and I pray now you would by the Holy Ghost pull it out under the anointing. Let me teach and preach in a way that brings revelation and a spirit of wisdom to the house. I pray for this house. Yeah, Jesus, worship you, Lord. I worship you. I thank you that you're growing us and maturing us and you're causing us to become. And I thank you, Father God, that by this time next year, we will have advanced and increased and become greater in our personal lives and even corporately as a result of your revelation being poured out on this house. Now, God, speak to the people, I pray. Get the glory for everything done. 
And I thank you that every yoke shall be destroyed now because of the anointing in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. So last week we talked about three levels of relational conflict between people in the kingdom. I told you last week that the world don't have to agree with you. You don't have to walk in harmony with the world to be blessed. But how many understand you do have to walk in harmony with people in the kingdom to be blessed? It's imperative that we walk in unity. If we're going to live in the commanded blessing of God, we must walk in the unity of the Spirit. Because division and divisiveness in the body and among God's people will keep the commanded blessing of God from flowing in our personal lives. I taught you three things last Sunday. If you're taking notes, and I encourage you to take notes because I think some of this, although you may not need it now, perhaps it could apply in a future season in your life and you may need to peruse back through these notes uh, as you encounter situations that you will encounter. Um, uh, Number one is alt. Number two is trespass. Number three is offense. We talked about this last Sunday. Alt is anything. I read it to you there in Matthew chapter 5. Uh, 21 through 26, he says if you offer a gift and while you're there offering a gift, you remember that your brother or your sister has an alt. King James says alt, New King James says something. It's the Greek word tis, T-I-S. It literally means if you have anything at all in your heart with a brother or a sister, you are to go to them and make it right before you offer your gift that is accepted to God. So if you want a gift that is acceptable to God, God is not as... God is not so interested in you being generous that you can also be offended and generous at the same time. If you're going to offer gifts to God that he can accept, you must have things right between you and your brother or your sister. So the first one was an alt. The second was a trespass. Everyone say trespass. A trespass is there in 18, Matthew 18, 15 through 20, where the Bible says if, if your brother has trespassed against you, If your brother or sister has sinned against you, you are to go to them and you are to personally make it right. And then he gives us the prescription for how to do that if they don't receive it. We'll talk about that again in a moment. The third is offense. And this is what we we learned last Sunday. I hope you learned this, that not everybody who says they are offended are offended. Because most people just have something between them and another person. It's not really an offense. An offense is when someone has set a trap that the enemy uses to bait you in, listen, and to actually cause you to sin. If you are not sinning, you are not offended because an offense by definition and by Greek meaning simply means that somebody baited you into a situation that caused, your, that caused you to sin, which is why Jesus said, if your eye offends you, pluck it out. If your hand offends you, cut it off. If there's something in your life making you sin, you need to get away from it. Now, I know that Jesus is talking about your natural eye. Some people say, oh, he's not being serious. He really doesn't want you to pluck your eye out. I actually think that there is a heavy revelation here that it's not just our natural and our uh, natural eye, natural hand that he's talking about. I actually think he's talking about the body of Christ. If there's somebody in your life, even in the body of Christ, that keeps you keeping on sinning, cut yourself off from that person. Don't keep hanging out with people who make you sin. And, and that's why it's such a heavy deal. If you're in this body and you're leading people and tempting people and drawing people into sin, the Bible said it's better for a millstone to be tied around your neck and you be cast into the deep end of the sea than to mess with one of God's children and lead them astray. So we have alt, offense, and trespass. We talked about these three last week. Now, we experience alt, offense, and trespass 
for one, typically one of three reasons. And if you're taking notes, please write this down because I really believe this can help somebody today. Not because I'm saying it, but because it's true. Um, number one, most people get caught up in offenses, trespasses, and oughts for one of these three reasons. Number one, we experience faulty assumptions that didn't come to pass. If you assume something about someone and you, you, you come to find out you were wrong in your assumption, sometimes that breeds resentment as you look at that person and you think they didn't do what they could have and they didn't do what they should have done for me. We assume because people can do something for us that we are entitled for them to do something for us and when they don't do something for us, our faulty assumption causes us to resent that person. Uh, the second reason some people fall into alt offense or trespass is because we experience, and this is heavy, don't miss this, unmet expectations. Sometimes we go into relationships with expectations about people and those people that we had expectations about do not meet our expectations. Unmet expectations breeds frustration. How many have ever gotten married? I talked a little bit about this last week. How many have ever, how many married people in the house, first of all, if you will claim your spouse, would you please lift your hand? How many people in this room expected something out of your spouse that you discovered wasn't quite the thing that you expected it to be after you got married? You're all liars. You're all liars. Okay, I got my hand up. De De Devin and I were madly in love, but I found out I, I fell in love with the person I thought she was. Y'all not going to be real. True love, listen, that's why true love is necessary on your wedding day because it takes a lifetime to live out a vow that you made in a moment. You said, I love you for the rest of my life, and you don't even know, really, you don't even know who they are yet. You are marrying what you think, but you're going to get a reality check very In fact, after your tail walks off the airplane from the honeymoon, it's on. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Because when I married Devin, I was like, oh my gosh, she's so fine. Little bitty, you know, petite, just beautiful, just, oh, Jesus. Hey, Jesus. So, so just tiny and, you know, just dainty and gorgeous. And, and then I was like, where did that look come from? Like, where did that little attitude come from? But you know what I've fallen in love with more and more is that little attitude every now and then. But I didn't see that at the beginning. So we have these expect expectations of people. And it's not just in marriage, it's in business. It's in raising kids and family. It's even in church. Do you know how many people don't go to church because churches did not meet their expectations? There are people watching me on live stream right now. I know by the Holy Spirit you're watching me on live stream right now. And the reason you're watching me, even though you're six blocks away from this building. Uh-oh. You're turning it off right now because you think we got some weird technology. That ain't technology. That's the Holy Ghost. We have expectations of what church should be like. And when we come to a church and it doesn't meet our expectations, we get caught up in offense or alt. Some of us need to, today, you need to reset your expectations of people. Stop 
putting pressure on people to fulfill your dreams because they will not. In fact, they're not supposed to. And I'm going to say this in pastoral love. Some people in this room today and some watching me on live stream, you are addicted to people, which is why you are so miserable because people keep letting you down and the problem is not the people that keep letting you down. It is the unhealthy expectations that you have that they should keep holding you up. If you will get divorced from the, the need for people to always approve of you, always see you, always feed that, that narcissistic void in you, God, don't do this to me, Jesus. You and I have got to live in humility and quietness before the Lord, serve the Lord with pure hearts and let promotion come from God and quit worrying about who can I get to like me more, to hook me up more. You keep doing that, they're going to keep hurting your feelings. One of the greatest, most freeing things that ever happened to me in my life is when I quit depending on people to make me happy. My joy does not come from the feedback I get from the media or from the social media world or from the world around. My significance and my joy must be found in a personal relationship with Jesus. Everyone in this room, do me and everyone else in your circle of influence a favor. Quit putting unfair expectations on others that they'll never be able to meet. This is heavy. So we expected something to happen that would benefit us. It didn't. We expected someone to fulfill our dreams and make them all come true. It didn't happen. So we get frustrated and we get offended or we get caught up in an alt. And then the third reason that people get caught up in an alt offense or a trespass is uh, outright betrayal. This is when your heart was pure, your motives were right, you were doing everything you were supposed to be doing, the best that you could do it. You, you, you didn't get sideways with anybody, someone just betrayed you. Betrayal happens. And when betrayal happens, it breeds pain and if not dealt with, unforgiveness. If you've ever been betrayed, if you've ever been lied on, and I have, if you've ever been talked about, and I have, people all the time, they've talked about me, get a ticket, we all have, come on. I mean, I'm not trying to be insensitive, but listen, if you live on this planet with people, and I'm talking about church people, I'm talking about people who he-na-na-ta-ta-ta, talk in tongues, fall out in the floor, those same people, if you're not careful, those same people will, will hurt your heart. I'm not trying to breed a culture of insecurity and we walk around like, you know, I can't trust them. You, 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 you have to have a pure heart when serving the Lord, not because God might betray you, but because his people might. And the most important thing you can do is not treat God one way based on the way his people treated you. Because there's a lot of people who don't even come to church. And again, you're watching me right now. And some of you slipped in here today and you're sitting by yourself and you're out in the distance and you planned on getting here late and leaving early. And the reality of it is you're not mad at God. You're hurt because of the way God's people treated you. I want to tell you something today. Two things. Number one, God didn't do it to you, so don't blame God foolishly. Secondly, and this is going to be tough, but I say it in love so you can swallow it more and digest it more easily. You have to get over it. You cannot excuse your immobility and paralysis by telling God they hurt me. 
Because what you're saying is that what they did to you is greater than what God did to you. Betrayal hurts. You don't believe me? Ask Jesus. Jesus actually looks at Peter in Matthew 16. Peter looks at Jesus and says, you're not going to go to the cross and die. If you look at that through a carnal lens, you would think Peter really loves Jesus. He tried to keep him from Calvary. He tried to keep Jesus from the pain. Jesus doesn't turn around to Peter and say, thanks for taking up for me. Jesus turns around to Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. And then Judas comes along and says, the man that I kiss, he is the one. He comes along and kisses Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. 30 pieces of silver, he betrays the Lord, and Jesus calls Judas a friend. How do you call Peter an enemy for trying to keep you from the cross, and you call Judas a friend by setting you up for the cross? I tell you how. Because Jesus understands that even betrayal can be redemptive. If you've ever been betrayed by people, I want you to understand God will use the maliciousness of people for your good. It's happened to me over and over in my life. The times where the jealousy and the mean-spiritedness of men looked like they tried to keep me out of one place was really used by God to express his jealousy for me. He wouldn't let me stay in that room. I'll never forget the feeling in my heart and I'm not going to go through it all, but it was a dark moment in my life, and I was sitting among brothers and friends, and I felt like I don't know if I have a friend in this room. And I got a text from one of my dear friends, Damon Thompson. It was the most rejected moment I have ever felt in my life, literally. And he texted me having no clue where I was. I had no clue where he was. He, didn't, he was out in the sticks by himself. And he texted me, says, I have no clue what's going on in your life. God just told me to text you and tell you that the rejection of man is really the jealousy of the father. As only Damon Thompson can say it. The rejection of man is really, really the jealousy of the father. There are some rooms, I don't, this is not in my notes, so this is for someone today. There are some moments in your life where you will feel the rejection of people. Stop allowing the enemy to tell you that their rejection of you is big enough to control your future. You need to begin to see this not as God rejecting you, but their rejection really became an expression of the jealousy of the Father. He wouldn't let you be accepted by that group of people. He loved you too much and wanted to pull you too close to let you get trapped in that nonsense. So instead of crying and griping and screaming and cussing and hollering and getting bitter at them, write them a thank you card. No, I'm serious. Just go over there to Hallmark and buy you a stack of thank you cards and just say, hey, I just wanted to write you a letter and tell you thank you for lying on me. Thank you for talking about me. Thank you for pushing me out. Because when you wouldn't let me in your clique, he opened up a door that man can't shut. And I just need to testify that God worked through your meanness to bless my life. Ah. Oh, Lord have mercy. So because we make assumptions that didn't come to pass or because we had expectations that someone or even some church didn't fulfill or because we were living with pure hearts operating in pure motives and then we were blindsided by betrayal or sabotage, we wake up one day with an alt in our heart, with an offense in our spirit and a feeling that someone has trespassed against us and sinned against us in a way that keeps us from moving forward. Today I want to talk about how to move on from these situations. Look at somebody, tell them move on. Come on, look at them and tell them with an attitude, move on. 
This message is necessary for the body because many people get stuck in the pain and emotions of relational conflict. We were never intended to find ourselves stuck in a relationship rift. We were called and admonished to allow God to move in and redeem every situation where there has been ought, trespass, and offense. Satan has a way, listen, of exploiting our broken hearts and creating toxic feelings that make us a prisoner to the actions of others. God wants us to move forward. You cannot get stuck after divorce. You cannot get stuck after an argument. You cannot get stuck after you were violated. You cannot get stuck after they passed you up and gave somebody else the job. The only one who is happy when you get stuck is Satan. Satan hates progress. One of my favorite scriptures in the Word of God is found in Hebrews chapter 6 verse 1. And it says this, laying aside the elementary principles, let us move on to the deeper things of God. Let us move on. Somebody say, move on. There is something about the kingdom of God that compels us to progress. It pulls us into becoming something greater. I am thankful that today you are further along than you were five years ago. But don't let that be a a hindrance to your continued progress. Don't become infatuated with where you are because it pales in comparison with where you are going. Your best is still yet to come. Oh, you say that all the time, Brother Wallace. I don't even know about that. If you don't know about it, you can't experience it. You've got to believe the promise of God on your life, and you've got to say as good as it's been, as bad as it's been, as up as it's been, as down as it's been, whatever it's been, if it's been good, bad, or both, the best is still yet to come in my life. Well, Brother Wallace, I'm 75 years old. Baby, this is the golden years for you. You don't have to, you don't have to round third and come barely dragging across the finish line. I believe God is going to bless mothers and fathers and grandmothers and grandfathers with a joy and an excitement and you're going to finish strong and you're going to love people and you're going to raise up sons and daughters and you're going to make a difference in your generation. Your best is still yet to come. You got to believe that and that's why you have to work through things so that you don't get stuck. You cannot be stuck and appointed. You cannot be stuck and living in your purpose because your purpose was never to live stuck. Some of us are living a life looking in a rear view mirror rather than through a windshield. You can't get anywhere safely driving by looking in your rear view mirror. That's why the rear view mirror is this big and the windshield is this big. Because where you're going is much greater than where you've been. And where you're going and what God has for you in your future is more redemptive than the pain of your past. Look at your neighbor say, neighbor, you're going somewhere. Come on, we're not going backwards, we're going somewhere. We're not doing nothing, we're going somewhere. We can't stay in park, this car is meant to drive. The Bible said that God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all. You can ask or think, I am telling you, when Jesus saves you, he takes you somewhere. Don't get stuck. Don't get stuck. So what happens when you find yourself in a situation, alt, offense, or trespass? Someone offended you, someone has something against you, someone sinned against you and trespassed against you, someone set a trap of offense for you. 
I want you to know when you find yourself in the position of being offended, caught in a trespass or in an ought, if you will take inventory of your life in that moment, you will find out how mature you are in God. Most people measure their maturity by how they act when everybody in the room likes them. But God will put you in rooms with some people that don't like you to see how holy you are. Y'all not going to help nobody here today. Y'all, y'all, I don't want this job. These people in my job, they don't like me. Good. God puts you in that job for a season to show you not just how messed up they are, but how carnal and how little long-suffering and how little patience. Y'all not helping nobody in here right now. God is trying to show you by your environment how close to him you need to get. Most people measure their maturity by how they act when everybody in the room likes them. God measures maturity by placing you in an environment that looks like it's hostile. And if you'll keep your heart pure and stay close to God, he'll bless you in spite of the people in in the room who don't like you. And you don't, when you got the fruit of the Spirit, you don't act all haughty. You smile and love people. The ones that talked about you, hug them. You want to make somebody squirm? Hug somebody you know hates you. Oh, Lord have mercy. I see all of the introverted non-huggers in here acting like, oh, God, get my stuff. We got to get up out of here. I can't be hugging nobody today. The Word of God gives us a roadmap to recover from relational rifts. Sadly, most Christians in the kingdom and most kingdom leaders rarely follow the roadmap given to us in the Bible. If you don't follow the roadmap, you will miss peace, prosperity, and joy that is provided in God. The Bible gives us a roadmap to move forward. Look at somebody tell them we've got to move forward. So let me give you these three little things real quick and I'm going to be done. Number one, if you're going to move forward from a relational rift, I need everybody to write this down, put it in your mind, in your notes, do something. Go back and watch it next week. Write it down. Get this in your spirit. If you're going to recover from a relational rift, I don't care if it's in your marriage, in the church, in business, in school, in wherever you are, if you're going to recover from a a rift in a relationship, number one, prerequisite number one, you've got to humble yourself. Pride keeps people from healing relationships. If you have pride in you at all, it will keep you from humbling yourself You know, and the Bible says in James chapter 4, verse 10, humble yourselves. It does not say, hang on and watch God humble you. You, Let me help you understand something. You don't want God to humble you. Look at your neighbor and say, come on, crazy. Come on, crazy. I I, I know you're arrogant and proud and you can't say I'm sorry, but you don't want God to have to humble you. It works much better when you cry instead of God putting the pressure on you until you cry. Well, God would never make me cry. You don't know your father very well. He's much more interested in your development than he is you being happy. And there are some precious people in the kingdom of God who have a proud, arrogant, haughty attitude about them. And whenever somebody sins against you, you get mad. And whenever you sin against somebody else, you don't know how to say, I'm sorry. Get over yourself. Husbands? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm coming for you. Husbands, two of the greatest 
words <laughs> that you could ever build into your vocabulary. I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, no, no, no. No, no, you don't have to clap. Just sit there and take it for a minute. If there is something that rises up in you that makes it impossible for you to acknowledge the fact you could be wrong, if there is something that rises up in you that tries to persuade you to believe that you and your arrogant self are the only perspective that could be understood, like, like there's no room for you to be wrong and everybody else in your life is wrong, if that rises up on the inside of you, kill it today before I pray the benediction. Because that attitude surfacing up in your life is what keeps people from connecting to you and what keeps you from moving forward in the kingdom of God. I don't know how else to say it except say it like this. You could be wrong. You might not be right. And I love teaching like this because husbands are sitting there going, oh God, get her, pastor. Get her right now. And wives are going, fix him, Lord. Fix him. Let Bishop fix it. Walk heavy, Bishop. Walk heavy. I'm talking to everybody in the room. You and I have got to humble ourselves and recognize sometimes we were out of place, we were out of character, our attitude stunk. Sometimes what we've been thinking is right is wrong. And if you don't humble yourself, you can come into an environment where God is in the room trying to reconcile two broken people and your arrogant, proud self can actually make the moment worse rather than heal it and get, get moving forward. Sometimes I have to sit down and I have to say to myself, I don't even know where I went off the track. But my own self screwed up my future. Y'all acting so holy in here. And I have to say to myself, self, shut up. You talk to yourself every day. It's healthy. I talk to myself, bless myself, pray for myself, catch myself when I'm under the anointing. I take up an offering for myself every now and then. You got to talk to yourself. And you got to process this thing called pride and you got to have enough self-awareness to know when you are blind to your own voice and you are blind to your own, your own flesh and you got to have the Holy Ghost help you to see that maybe, just maybe, I'm not as big a know-it-all as I think I am. Maybe I'm wrong and they're right and I need to hush and listen. Oh my God, Jesus, help me today. Humble yourself. Don't make God humble you. And if you don't like, you know, I hate when Devin's right. I mean, I hate it. I get in this thing and I say, they didn't say that. They didn't say that. And then she comes to the kids, come in here. What did he say? And they said exactly what she said. And now I'm mad at the whole family. I'm mad. You know why I had to get humbled and she had to do it? Because I wouldn't listen. Boy, it got quiet. Some of you, some of us need to just chill out. One of my favorite professors, as I was getting my degree in leadership, one of my favorite professors said, always check your blood pressure. I thought, what is that? 
Who cares what my blood pressure is? But whenever you get in a tense moment of conflict, if you feel yourself getting emotionally involved, check your pulse. Amen. Calm down, Wallace. <laughs> Calm down. I went last, last week. Let me tell you this story. Last week, I preached on alt and offense, and I was feeling holy. You hear me? I felt holy and victorious after church last Sunday. And it was Father's Day. And Saturday night before church, my babies know how much I love Disney World. And for pastor appreciation, somebody gave us passes to Disney World. I was so thankful. And they come to me last Saturday night and said, Daddy, in the morning we're going to Disney World. And after church, you're flying out into Orlando. We'll pick you up there and we're taking you to Disney World for Father's Day. Yeah, that was incredible. I preached and felt so full of victory last Sunday morning. Got to the airport and couldn't find my victory. Here I am, six foot four, and I, and they, they and I bought a leg aisle. I bought a exit row, so I could have some leg room. They didn't put it on my ticket. I got there. She said, "You're on this aisle." I said, "I beg your pardon." Oh, but I just preached. Check your check your check your pulse, Jesus. Okay, calm down, smile. Yes, she probably goes to church here somewhere. Yes, I did. In fact, I did. I pur- you didn't purchase it, sir. <laughs> Check again. I did. I did. You didn't. Ma'am? <laughs> Let me tell you something right now. <laughs> and then she said, that bag, you didn't pay for a carry-on bag. You have to hold it in your lap. Oh, my Lord Jesus. I am telling you right now, every demon in Chattanooga came running into that airport. I'm standing there and 400 people are waiting on me. I'm holding up the whole line. She said, other people have to get on. I said, not before I get my mess fixed. You hear me right now? Oh, Jesus, help me. Check your, check your blood pressure, Wallace. So you know what I did? I said, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to walk over here and see if I can pull up my ticket, and you let them through, and we'll see how this goes. I walked over there. (sighs) Father, forgive me. And I pulled up the ticket, and you know who was right? I was. So I walked back over, and listen, this is where you test your spirituality when you walk back over. Because some of us would, I would have been the fool to walk back over and say, See? Bless God. That's not what I did. Y'all ought to be proud of me. I walked back over there and showed her my phone. I said, sweetheart, there is a discrepancy somewhere. My ticket shows I have a exit row. She looked and said, you have an exit row. Of course I do. I'm not a liar. So I got on, and she said, after all the mess we put you through, we're going to let you put your bag on in the carry-on. I said, look what the Lord has done. This thing turned around that quick. Now, here's what's crazy. We have employees at the airport that go to this church. I could have showed myself and ruined my witness. 
I'm going to give her a piece of my mind. The next time someone asks you that, do you want me to give you a piece of my mind? Say, please, no, please. You don't have much left. Don't, sh don't give it all away. Come on. Humble yourself. Number two. Everybody say number two. I got to hurry. Number two, go to the person first individually. Jesus says this in Matthew 5, or in Matthew 18 rather. If someone has trespassed against you and there's something between you and two people and you know it, you don't go to 10 people first to tell them about it. You go to them individually. Now, I told you last week there are several situations where that may not be a good deal. Let me just touch those quickly again. Number one, if you're a wife in an abusive relationship with your husband, I do not suggest that you go to an abusive husband by yourself and try to confront him because it could be very harmful for you physically. So if you're in that kind of relationship, dear sister, I, I admonish you to get the biggest, baddest, strongest, packing leader in the church. Get three or four if you want to. And, 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 and go to them and try to make it right. And the other situation where I would not encourage you to go alone is if you have a boss who is a liar and a manipulator. You may want to take one person with you as a witness so that you don't get accused of something. But other than those two situations, it is, it is necessary for you to go to the person that you have the issue with or has the issue with you individually. Let me tell listen to me. If you don't hear anything else I say to you, hear what I'm getting ready to say. It is a sin. The sin of gossip and malice. And you are devouring, devouring the body of Christ by going to people, talking about what someone else did to you if you haven't gone to the person who did it to you or you did it to first. You're sinning. You are divisive. And I'm saying this to anybody watching me on live stream. People of God do not run around using their mouth to tear other people down and then condone it by saying foolish things like they deserve it. Hey, I'm telling you right now, when people start with this phrase right here, will you help me pray about something? No, no, no. Let me rephrase it. They said it like this. Will you help me pray about somebody? Well, 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 hold on, man. Be because before you go too far down that road, I don't want you to invite me into your offense. Isn't it amazing how people in the body of Christ share offense? <laughs> they didn't even do anything to you. You're just mad because they did something to Sister Yeye, who is your friend. Oh, you done hurt my friend. It's on now. You hurt her, you hurt me. You got some. You want some of you. <laughs> Just calm down a little bit, okay? It's going to be all right. Go to the person personally. The reason humility is first, Antonio, is because if you go to the person first without a humble spirit, you will stir up more problems than you, <laughs> than you had initially. When you walk into a meeting with someone to reconcile, you should be disarmed, you should be chilled out, you should have already prayed through that situation. So that when you sit down and they say one thing that sets you off, you don't go off. 
Because have you ever been around people, it don't take much for them to talk. And three or four sentences in, your blood. You got to pray that out. Lay it on the altar and say, God, don't let me be so easily triggered and offendable. Let me be a full of love and humility because I might be wrong in this. And walk in and not have anything, not have any preconceived notion about how it's, going, how it's going to go. Walk in and say, God, I'm going to this person in humility for the purpose of reconciliation. Teach me and show us how to get reconciled from this rift that we've experienced. So, number one, humble yourself. Number two, go to the person personally. Number three, forgiveness. I'm almost done. You need to hear this. Don't leave. Forgiveness. If you want to heal rifts, you will have to learn how to practice forgiveness. I want to make a disclosure and, and make sure you understand something. Please take notes on this if you, and don't forget this. There is a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. There is a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. Andrew, come here, Bubba. Andrew and I, we have a great friendship. We have, he's a student. At, come on, tell Andrew you love him. This is a powerful man of God. He's one of our sons, one of our students here at RSM. Let's just say he and I are very close friends, and we are. And I love him, and he knows that. And, and I believe in the God in his life. But let's say something happens in our relationship, and we get in a rift, okay? And let's say, uh, let's say I'm not married, and I'm dating someone, and... And he takes my girlfriend away from me. Okay? Now watch this. He's done this three times. <laughs> I should have used somebody else. Okay. Okay. He's done this three times to me. Okay? Watch this. Now he can come and do it a fourth time to me. And I can forgive him. But that's not reconciliation. I can forgive him for what he done, but I don't have to walk with him like I was walking before he violated me four times. This is important. You, know the, you need to know the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation because some people don't readily and speedily get reconciled back to the person who hurt them. And the devil tells those people, you ain't forgiven him. If you really forgave him, you'd want to be his best friend again. No, devil. I forgave him and released it. But just because I forgave him don't mean I have to let him back into my life for him to mess on me the fifth time. There, there is a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. And some of you think because you don't want to be best friends with him anymore that you haven't forgiven him. No, I forgive you and me forgiving you ain't even about you. It's about me releasing you from the ability to control my life by what you did to me. Oh, God, help me in here, somebody. you got to learn how to say, I forgive you. I don't hold it against you. But you, have to, you must understand reconciliation is a process. Amen. If you ever try to mess with my wife. He knows I'm kidding. He knows I'm kidding. I'm just fine. All right, watch it. I love you so much. He knows I'm messing. All right, watch. Now he's offended. Jesus, can we work this out right here in front of everybody? I'm sorry. All right, number, number three, forgiveness. I want to read scripture to you. I'm just going to give you straight scripture and we're going to be done. Okay? Straight scripture. Go to Luke. Um, no, pardon me, Matthew 18. 
Matthew 18, I'm going to be done. Okay, get out your hair. Or your weave. Or your extensions or whatever you got. Okay. Now, look at Matthew 18, verse number 22. When you got to say amen. Bron, come help me, sir. Please. Look at verse 21. Let's get a little bit of context. Peter came to Jesus, and I like the Passion Translation of this. It says, later Peter came to Jesus, like after Peter thought about it for a while. And Jesus had just told him, you got to forgive people who sin against you. So Peter comes back to Jesus later, and you can tell he's been processing that command, forgive people. So Peter gets all spiritual. You know, he's feeling like real holy and stuff. And he comes to Jesus, he goes, I'm feeling real spiritual about myself. I'm going to forgive that person who sins against me seven times. Jesus said, oh, you think that's something? That ain't enough. What? Yeah, 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 yeah. I want you to forgive him not seven times, but 70 times seven, which is 490. But really what he's saying is don't even keep account. What? You want me to forgive somebody the same person? 490 times? Look at this. Verse 22. Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents, but he was not able to pay it. His master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all they had and the payment be made. And the servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. The master of the servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave the debt. He said, no, you don't even have to worry about paying me back. I'm going to forgive it all. That same man went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, which is almost like a penny. And he laid hands on the man who owed him a penny and took him by the throat. This man just got forgiven of millions of dollars and the dude that owes him a couple of pennies, he grabs the dude who owes him a couple of pennies by the throat. Saying, pay me what you owe me. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him saying, have patience with me and I'll pay you all. But he would not have patience. And he went and threw him in the prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told the master all that had been done. The master, after he had called them, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you begged me, and you could not have compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you. And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers. I never saw this till this week, and I was studying this. The torturers. It is the only time in the entire Bible that Greek word is used. It's not used any other time. And it was a word in Roman culture that was used, oh, this is crazy, that was used to describe the man who tied the accused perpetrator, the criminal, he tied him to four, it was, a, it was actually a device that had four places where they locked their arms and their feet in and the torturer literally turned this massive wheel that caused that bed, that 
criminal was laying on to be stretched. And as he turned the wheel, the torturer turned the wheel, it stretched the man who had been accused or the woman that had been accused and it pulled their bones out of place. And they tortured them until they told the truth. That's the word used here. Jesus says, when you don't forgive people who have sinned against you, you give your life to the torturer who ties you. You're not even the one who did it wrong. They did it wrong to you. But when you don't forgive them for what they did wrong, you are the one who gets placed on the stretching block and the torturer pulls you apart. That's what unforgiveness is. It's drinking the poison, thinking it will kill the person who hurts you. Well, how can I forgive? They hurt me, Pastor. They lied on me. They abused me. Someone in here, they, you could say they raped me. They killed one of my family members. They took opportunity away from me. Or something as crazy and foolish as they looked at me. you can't forgive them why can't you it's because of who you're looking at as your example if you look within there is nothing within me that could cause me to be able to forgive somebody who hurt me that way but I can't look within me because there's nothing good within me I must look to Jesus if you want to know if Jesus forgave people Isaiah had the greatest revelation and I'm gonna give him credit because he gave it to me last Sunday after I preached he said you want to know something dad Jesus did not get healed before he forgave while his side is bleeding hanging on a cross while his head is bleeding hanging on a cross while they're mocking and cursing him Jesus looks up to the father and says father forgive them well I gotta I gotta have some time before I forgive them really while Jesus was dying he forgave them Do you know why he said, Father, forgive them before he said, it is finished? Because you can't finish something if your spirit ain't right. He's not the example that we look to if while they're hurting him, he's killing them and calling angels to destroy them. That's not the model of reconciliation. I feel the Lord in here. You got to be able while you're bleeding and while they hurt you and while they lied on you and while they, while they took something from you to look to Jesus and allow him to be the model. And he shows us what it looks like that while he's hurting and while they're mocking his beautiful name and while they're stabbing him in the side and blood is pouring from his royal body, he doesn't say, Father, get him. He says, Father, forgive him. I think this right here is a message America needs. There's so much hate in America. There's hate racially, there's hate religiously. We're supposed to model the way. 
Our hearts are supposed to be different from those who are cold and calloused and poisoned and stained by the blight of malice and hate and sin. We How, Pastor? Because we have been forgiven. I've never done anything wrong. Ask God! Who nailed his son who was the prince of heaven to a cross so that he could accept you and I into his family. We were transgressors. We sinned against the high holy God of heaven. We caused Jesus to die. So the next time you say, how can I forgive what they've done? Look to the cross. I did not know this as I was preparing this. I'm going to play a three and a half minute video clip for you this morning. I don't usually do this in my sermons. This day, actually this week, five years ago, many churches in America were having a prayer vigil praying for a church in Charleston, South Carolina, where a beautiful African-American church was having a Bible study and a white supremacist walked into the back of the Bible study, unloaded a gun on that beautiful congregation, killing nine. He allowed one woman to live and said, I want you to live to tell the story. It was one of the most evil, heinous, despicable acts of hatred that has been perpetrated in our generation. You look into the eyes of the killer and you can see Satan. From the ashes of Charleston, a beautiful story of forgiveness began to emerge. As I prepared today to talk about healing rifts, I remembered this little clip that I saw and I found it this morning. I wanna play it for you and after I play it for you, I'm gonna come and we're gonna pray. But I want you to watch this. Somebody needs to let somebody else understand that you may have done it to me, but I will not live the rest of my life as a victim of what's been done to me. I'm going to release that person to God and forgive them for what they've done against me. It's not letting them off the hook. It's letting yourself off the hook. I want you to stand with me this morning. Those three ladies are so courageous. It showed a small blip of what really happened in the courtroom two days after the shooting. But they all told the young man as they saw him, I forgive you. I don't know about you. But when I take inventory of my heart, sometimes I find myself thinking about reacting to things very differently than how Jesus would. Can anybody else other than me just today say, God, I need the fruit of the Spirit. I, I, I need to love a little deeper. I don't want to have to find out what's in my heart for some tragedy like that happening. I just want to have a pure spirit that can forgive. If you can't forgive somebody looking at you funny, then I think God is saying us to us today, we need to be pulled in closer to his heart. Allow his spirit to transform us.
Lord. There are some people in this day carrying alt. They're carrying something. Some have been sinned against. Some have sinned against others. Some are living in a, an offense. They're actually sinning. And the sin that we commit is the sin of unforgiveness. We may never be able to forget what happened, but we can forgive it, God. And we, we do not have to remain paralyzed and stuck. I feel a, a grace of healing and forgiveness that God wants to rest on this place today. The first thing I want to do is talk to people who are lost. If you're a sinner and you would say, I'm not right with God and I know I'm not right with God and, and I've heard about Jesus and I've come to church, but I need to give my life to Christ. I need to live for Jesus and I want him to live in me and I want him to have all of me. If you're in this room and that's you and 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 you know you're not right with God, but you want to get right with Jesus. I'm gonna to count to three for you. I want you to lift your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I need to get right with God. One, two, three, lift your hand right now. Just lift your hand up and say, pray for me, Pastor. I see your hand. God bless you, son. God bless you, sweetheart. God bless you. Uh-huh. Everyone, you can look at me. You can put your hands down. I want you to ask the person on your left and right. I don't care if you've known them forever or you never met them before today. Sometimes people just need to know in a room this big with this many people that it ain't, you know, it's, it's, not a, it's not a difficult atmosphere. There's somebody here that loves you and will pray with you. I want you to ask the person on your right and left in just a moment if they need someone to go to the altar with them. And if you lifted your hand or you know you should have because you need to get right with Jesus and you want to give him your heart and be born again. I'm not asking if you've been to church. I'm asking you if you're born again. If you need to get born again, when your neighbor asks you if you need someone to go pray with you, just nod your head, take them by the hand, come down here with me, we're going to pray, and I believe Jesus is going to come into your heart and His Spirit's going to set you free right now. Ask everybody in your area, just lean over and ask them, do you need someone to go pray with you? And if you lifted your hand, or you know you should have, come on, God's working right now. If you want to give Him everything, come on, come on right now. Thank you for coming, young man. Thank you for coming. Anybody else who's coming today, come on. Anybody else who's coming today? Yeah, they're still coming. Come on, this is wonderful. This is why we come to church. Thank you for coming, pal. Antonio, come help me right here. Come here. Yes, sir. God bless you, son. God bless you, elder. Come here, Antonio. Come here. Yeah, they're still coming. Come on, y'all. We praise God for this. We praise God for this. Yeah, come on. I'm giving my heart to Jesus. <clears throat> I want elders and leaders to come and pray with them. People are still coming. This is wonderful. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. While elders pray with these precious brothers and sisters who come, I want to pray for people who are saved and in their seats. But on the inside, they need to get over a rift. I don't want anyone to ask for information. I don't want anyone to try to 
prophesy. I want, I want someone who is honest and courageous without needing to know all the details. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Pastor, I needed this message today. I need to move forward. Would you pray for me? If, I'm, if I preached or talked and you needed it, lift your hand right now. My God, my God, my God, my God. Lord, I don't even know how to do all this. I have asked you in prayer this week to give us a moment in this service where people who have been holding something and harboring it can release it and forgive. And I believe that moment is now. So I'm asking your spirit to work and I'm asking your spirit to move. And I am praying for the word of God to take a root in their hearts, to evict all bitterness, any of it, unforgiveness, the pain, the feelings, the emotions. Today, Lord God, teach us that forgiveness is not a feeling, it's a decision. And I'm asking you to give them the grace to look to Calvary and to see your mercy there and to share that mercy with those who have hurt and offended them. Lift both hands if you lifted your hand a moment ago right now. In Jesus' name, I pray for you that in your heart, as you decide in this moment to forgive, oh God, the grace of forgiveness would come on you now. The experience of true forgiveness. Let it go now. Let it go. I don't deny the pain. I'm not minimizing the pain or the wounds, but you will not be trapped by it any longer. Release. Reach over everybody. Lay your hand on your neighbor's shoulder. So many lifted their hands. Today, God, pray for them, pray for them, pray for them. Today, God, forgiveness, grace. Lord, these three sisters from Charleston show us a great example of what it looks like to forgive. And today we refuse to live in bondage. Bondage caused by the actions of some others. We will not operate in unforgiveness. If these three precious ladies can forgive those who killed their own family, today, God, we are reminded of the grace that is, a, that is accessible. Right now, God, we pray for a spirit of forgiveness and mercy to come on this body. Come on, church. Come on, church. Pray for a minute. A spirit of forgiveness and mercy. Lord, if you forgave us, we can forgive those who sinned against us. We will not be entrapped, entangled, or in bondage. In the name of Jesus, it's moving on time. It's moving on time. It's no more no more unforgiveness. It's moving on. I feel a grace. I'm trying to let you go, church, and if you got to go, I understand. But I feel a grace working on some hearts right now. It's moving forward time. You will not be tied up and bound by the offense, by the alt, by the trespass, by the pain and the wound. It's moving on time, sir. She cheated on you, walked out on you, left you. You, you don't have anything left, but you know what? It's moving on time. Ma'am, he went on with somebody else. I 
know it broke your heart and you're here today and you, you used to cry, but now you get bitter. But it's moving on time. It's moving forward time. Oh, I feel the spirit of the living God working right now. It's moving forward time. They took advantage of you in the business world. They lied on you. They took some of your customers and your clientele. You had a pure heart. You were just trying to have another business deal, but they, 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 they betrayed you. And the enemy got you trapped from moving forward, scared of the next move because you say they're going to do the same thing to me that the last group did but the devil is a liar God is breaking some of that off of you right now the fear of man the spirit of the Lord is healing your heart today it's time to move on it's time to move forward I release you right now in the name of Jesus to move forward I release you right now never to be trapped another day in your life it's time to move forward You'll never be a victim. They'll never hurt you again. Don't let what they did 20 years ago keep you in a prison of offense. It's time to move forward. Now somebody lift your hands all over this room and start thanking God for progress. Come on, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you, Lord. Come on, let's thank him. I need you to thank him. I know it don't feel right. I know your emotions tell you it ain't real. But down in your heart, you know that God forgives and he forgave you and now you're forgiving them. It's time to move forward. Lift your hands up in a receiving position. Let me bless you. Father, I thank you for the people of God. I thank you for the grace that's been released in this house today and the word of the Lord that comes to set us free. I pray over our people this week that they'll walk in divine favor and divine appointment. Give them opportunities, Lord God, to advance your kingdom and bless them in all their ways. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. I love your church. Be here Wednesday night. Go in the peace of God. God bless you.